0: Hello, this is Rob Payne with St. Stephen's United Methodist Church Communications, and welcome to St. Stephen's Focus podcast. Today, we have the pleasure of speaking with Pastor Mark Hutz, a former interim pastor at St. Stephen's, who has written a brand new book called Nevertheless, She Preached, the story of the two earliest Methodist clergywomen in Virginia. Mark, it's a pleasure to have you, and, and thank you for joining us today.
1: Thank you. It's good to uh, be here.
0: Great. Uh, Mark is going to be doing a special book conversation at St. Stephen's on Sunday, September 26th from 2 to 4 p.m. in the Welcome Center inside the church. The entire community is welcome. Pastor Marge will also be preaching at our 9 a.m. outdoor and our 11 a.m. indoor service. Our indoor service is also live streamed on YouTube. How did you come to write this book?
1: Actually, I was called in a dream. And uh, it was in October of 2017. And I had a dream that I was supposed to write this book. And write their story was the, was the call and the dream. And I knew even when I was having it that the dream was of God and I needed to do this.
0: When, when you first write a book, and especially a historical book, uh, a historical book can
1: involve a lot of research.
0: Can you talk a little bit about what went into creating this, this, this story and, and, and where where did you go to get all this information?
1: I went to the logical places like the uh, conference archives. And the conference also has some archives at in Ashland uh, at the college there. Um, And then I went to um, Google, of course, where all great researchers go and um, Ancestry.com to find their families and newspapers.com was very helpful to me because one of the things I found was that um, our archives contained almost nothing about them their name may have appeared on a list, they showed up when they died, you know, that, but there was, there was nothing else about them, but newspapers carried a lot, the general public was fascinated by these early women, and so I found a lot there, I interviewed people, I did, um, you know, one-on-one interviews, people, I did group interviews with some of their former parishioners, I talked to past uh, retired clergy who knew them, you know, because I had never met them, uh, and they had di- they died back in the 1990s. So um, I had to do it all through other people who knew them. I probably spent a year just in research.
0: When you're researching a book or a film or anything, a lot of things sort of pop up that maybe you didn't expect to find. Some some you did. Were there any surprises along the way about? Um, the challenges that, that these women faced, which I'm sure were numerous. Now what what time what time frame are we talking about as far as when mm-hmm. they when they when they began preaching?
1: Lillian Russell's story was in the 1930s when she began as an evangelist and then into the 40s when she served as a pastor and then they uh, Lillian and Mildred both then continued in pastoral ministry in Virginia um, retiring in the, in the 1970s. So I had had all of that that to, all that time period to do. I think that, there were many things that surprised me. For instance, um, I was talking to somebody and they talked about Mildred having a roommate whose name was Nancy White. And I asked about it, and here they it turns out they were required to have somebody live in the parsonage with them. A single woman could not live by herself in a parsonage. So there they she had to have a roommate. And I, you know, I just couldn't even imagine you know that, that would be the case. And then Lillian never drove, and I couldn't imagine a pastor being able to do their work without a driver's license and a car. So I asked about that, and they had worked out this agreement where she was living at home with her parents in Richmond and had a church in Petersburg and took a bus. Um, in fact, had to take several buses in order to get her down to Petersburg. And then she would take the local bus or walk if it was close to visit her parishioners. But I, so that part didn't really surprise me. What surprised me was that her mother went with her. So her mother would ride the bus with her down to the church. She would go on the bus with her and make the visit, pastoral calls with her. And it was because primarily because it was World War II and there were a lot of soldiers at Fort Lee. There was a bus depot that, you know, when she got off and all the the, the um soldiers soldiers were there and they supported the war but they didn't support necessarily the soldiers with their single daughter so that just that just surprised me that um that that the mother would would do that and the support that she had from the family uh, it was just so different from my own experience I guess were, is were there other
0: me. were there other challenges that 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 they met that the 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 new the pastors the, as far as being the first women. Uh, I mean, were, were, were they received with open arms or were there certain people who were sort of like, we're not ready for this or, you know, how, how, how were they, how was the
1: general response? I would say that overall, they were blocked. <laughs> um, it, local churches were fine. It was the hierarchy. It was the bishop and district superintendents in particular, other clergy um, were where they had the obstacles. Um, as I talked to other clergy, I, I looked and I thought, oh, they were on the same district at the same time. They must have known each other. And for most of the these now clergy who would probably be in their 80s and 90s, they had no recollection of either one of these women. Wow. Or if they did, their response to Lillian was this. She dressed like a man. <laughs> and they would all say it the same way and sort of shake their head. She dressed like a man. So I asked the when I did interviews, asked her former parishioners, tell me how how Lillian dressed, you know, what was her appearance? And she usually wore a suit and you know, string of pearls and a watch upside down. And they had it all, you know, little little pearl earrings. They knew all that she wore. And I said, well, did she ever wear a men's tie or a man's jacket trying to blend in? Oh, no, she never dressed like huh. that. So when I heard that over and over again from the clergy, and then I heard it over and over again from her parishioners, I decided, because this is what a a historical fiction has to do, you have to connect the dots when you don't have the information, that she must have dressed that way when she went to clergy meetings. And that's when they saw her and maybe even annual conference, but certainly the clergy meetings just as a way to try to blend in. But, you know, it didn't really matter what they did. Huh. They 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 couldn't blend in. They were they were really oddities. And that's one of the words that people use to describe Mildred that she was odd and manly. Yeah. I I, I would say that that uh, Mildred in particular, because she itinerated, you know, she was at five churches where Lillian only ever served one. She, and she was there for 35 years. But Mildred moved around. She, she encountered obstacles over and over again, where Mildred sort of worked out hers and figured out a way to make it work because she stayed in the one place. Mildred, I think one of the ways that she did it is she became somewhat androgynous, so that if people heard the voice and didn't see her, that they really couldn't tell if it was a man or a woman, huh. that she always wore dresses. I mean, she even, there's a picture of her playing a softball in a dress uh, and hose, you know, with the, <laughs> with all that. So um, so she was feminine in, in that way, but I think there were other things that she did as a way to try to fit in with, with the other clergy that that were a little less, that marked her less as female. And I think that's one of the reasons she was oftentimes referred to as manly, when she was just simply trying to fit in.
0: The title of your book, Nevertheless, She Preached, and that, that sort of ties into despite the pushback or the challenges they faced, they, they, they persevered. I, I would imagine it takes sort of a special person to be able to, to do your work. And th- how did these women deal with it from, from a personal standpoint?
1: I think uh, I think they dealt with it differently. Lillian and Mildred were quite different people from each other, as I came to understand them by talking to people who knew them well. Um, and and I think for for Mildred, she had a lot more emotional response back to it. I think she would be hurt and angry, um, and she would lash out at people sometimes because I heard stories about that. Um, and part of that was again because she was moving around. So she had to keep encountering it. And what she encountered in her first appointment, she encountered again in her last appointment, is just never went away. So the same, it's like the system didn't grow as she grew. They, you know, the system didn't develop as she did.
0: You you mentioned World War II. This was during a time where women were took on a lot of very important, prominent roles in, in the war effort. It, as they were pushed into it. They, 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 they needed to do it. They, they were very successful at it. But yet these women were still getting, getting that type of pushback.
1: Yeah, because when the war was over, they were expected to go back home and, and assume, assume their rightful position in the kitchen.
0: <laughs> we're, we're speaking here with with Mark Kutz. She has written a book called Nevertheless, She Preached. Uh, the United Methodist Women at St. Stephen's Church is is uh, sponsoring a book conversation with Pastor Mark, uh, 2 to 4 p.m. on Sunday, September 26th. So we, we hope you all come out. That's open to the entire community. How do you think women's roles in the United Methodist Church has changed since the folks that you're writing about entered the ministry?
1: I think because there's so many more women, and it's just the sheer numbers that that um, it forced a change, and so women's are women now are really in, in every seat of power, you know, the Episcopacy, the Cabinet, uh, large churches, um, Board of Ordained Ministry, conference staff, uh, denominational staff, there's uh, women in all of those positions, and it's more than just a token woman, now there's it's it's pretty common for women to be in those positions. So, um, so that has changed. And just the fact that there's so many also means that there's not the loneliness. That uh, because even when the discipline changed, people didn't weren't required to enforce it. So even when women were allowed to be appointed, there were district superintendents, which was true when I came in as well in, in the 1970s, mid 70s that there were many district superintendents who just said, I don't want a woman on my district. The bishop said, okay. And it had been, you know, there have been, women could have been appointed in the church from the beginning and were um, seen as having full clergy rights since 1956. And still people didn't have to follow the rules.
0: And now today, as we sit here, uh, the the person who heads up the district that St. Stephen's is in is a woman. The bishop in Virginia is a woman. What, what, what do you think uh, the, the two folks that you wrote about would, would what would their reaction if they were transported in the 2021 and, and saw all this?
1: I think they would be pleasantly surprised when when they received their uh, uh, the first woman district superintendent. It was after they were retired. But it was on the district that they both retired from, the Peter, the old Petersburg district. And Cynthia Corley, who was appointed the district superintendent, was the first female in Virginia. In fact, she was the first female in the Southeast to be appointed to the cabinet, to any cabinet. And um, they Mildred visited her. Lillian didn't was at that point was sick. And so Mildred visited her and made it clear to her: we want you to know who got you here. I think in some, that's why I say pleasantly surprised. You know to see so women's just involved in so many levels, but but knowing that that they didn't get there without Mildred and Lillian.
0: But as you mentioned at the outset, uh, you were an interim pastor at St. Stephen's for about a year or two, uh, 2014 to 2015, and and you're very 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 popular. What what are your memories of, of of being at St. Stephen's?
1: Oh, I have great memories from there. I I sort of wish that had been my um, not, not an interim, but that I could have stayed longer. It, it was just, they're just a great church with great people. Um, I remember the, you know, the Friday night and the Saturday morning. Once a month, they had the, you know, food distribution and other kinds of help, and and just what, just the great energy that was in the building. Um, I had, even when I got there, there were two couples there whose weddings I had officiated. So that, that was sort of fun to have that, that kind of connection. Great staff to work with. We had we had a lot of fun. We worked really hard, um, but had a lot of fun. People were a little nervous about an interim, somebody coming in for a year. And I said, I don't want to be a placeholder. I Whatever your goals are, I want to help you keep, continue to move forward. I don't want to shape anything because I'm not here to do that. Um, but I also don't want to be in the way, and so we just whew, kept the momentum going, and it was it was a it was really a great time.
0: That's fantastic. And you, and before we started this interview, you also mentioned I me mean, one of the fascinating things you do now on sort of a I guess a freelance basis is you coach other pastors, I guess around the world on on how to be more effective communicators. Yes. That's, uh-huh. that's, and that's,
1: more effective leaders.
0: More effective leaders. Okay, that, mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. that's really exciting. But one reminder to everybody again, you're going to be in the Welcome Center of our St. Stephen United Methodist Church. That's on Braddock Road, right near Kings Park in Burke, Virginia, from 2 to 4 p.m. on Sunday, September
1: 26th. This is my first time to do a full presentation live. The other ones I've done have been virtual, but this time will be people in the room, and I'm excited about that. So people are oftentimes as much interested in how the book came about as they are the story in the book itself. So I'm going to spend a fair amount of time just talking about what it is to write a historical novel, uh, a historical fiction, and um, and then answer questions from that, and then go in and tell a little bit about about their stories, and then have books for sale. And there'll be obviously time for questions and, and comments and so I'm really, I'm, I'm really very excited, and hope that people hope that people will come.
0: Pastor Mark will also be uh, delivering a message at the 9 a.m. outdoor service and the 11 a.m. indoor service, and of course, the 11 a.m. indoor service is also live streamed on YouTube, and it'll also be available uh, pretty much whenever you want to watch it later on. So,
1: sure. um, Saturday, the day before, so would that be the 25th? Right. From five to six, I'll be at the church. Um, for people who don't want to be in person, but I'll be at the church just to sell and sign books. So people want to just drive through and be able to stay in their cars and keep masks on and all of that sort of thing. A drive-through
0: book signing. All right. Yes.
1: Yes. We've been doing a lot of drive-through. I do cash, check, credit card, Venmo, and cash app.
0: (laughs) Oh, wonderful. So after this experience, are you going to, ever thought about writing another book?
1: No. No, get this behind is me, Satan. <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: And again, that book is available uh, on Amazon. It's available, of course, at the uh, the book signing on the 26th at 2 o'clock. And then the drive through book signing the day before on Saturday. Uh, it's available in print form. And you can get it on Kindle. And as a matter of fact, if, if you have Kindle Unlimited on Amazon, um, you can get it. It's actually part of Kindle Unlimited. So, Well, Pastor Morgan, I want to thank you again for your time today. Uh, We're really excited to have you here on the 26th and 25th, and it ought to be an exciting time for everyone. I I wish you all the best of luck on your book. It's fascinating, and uh, congratulations on on the success, and congratulations on completing it. It, 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 It's quite an accomplishment.
1: Thank you. I'm looking forward to being at St. Stephen's. This is Rob
0: Payne again with uh, St. Stephen's Communications, St. Stephen United Methodist Church on Braddock Road in Burke, Virginia. Uh, for more information on St. Stephen's, we hope you'll visit our website, www.ststephensfairfax.org. We're also on Facebook. We're also on Instagram. So uh, we hope that you, if you're looking for a very active, uh, loving faith community in the Northern Virginia or Burke area, we hope you will either visit us or drop in online see what we're all about. Have a wonderful day, whatever you're doing, and we hope to see you again at St. Stephen's.